Hi, I'm Amanda Pashuko. This is She Love. Hello, it's Davida. I'm Gina Lovato. Hey, it's Anna Dunn. I'm Caitlin Bailey. This is Melissa Novak. It's Sean Jacobson. Hey, it's Bethany Nicole. And welcome to Sex Party. And welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. <laughs> Sex Party with your host, Dustin Ripka. Welcome to Sex Party. I'm your host, Dustin Ribka. This week, we're going to talk about some of the darkness in the world. Relax. It's not going to be that depressing. We're going to giggle and laugh our way through when possible. We're going to talk about how some of the darker things happening in the world or just overall in general, how it affects your sex drive. Does anxiety, fear, darkness, does it make you more turned on, less turned on? Does it matter? Do you not notice? Does it depend? Here to help us sort it all out is Alicia Fay. Alicia is a sexual empowerment and relationship coach. She's brilliant. She is a fucking blast. I had a really good time with this episode. We um, we have fun with the darkness, and you should too. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Alicia Fay. This week's conversation. conversation. Alicia Faye, welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Um, yeah, so excited to be here. I like it's interesting. I was listening to your other episodes about this, like the the whole like natural um, inclination to say like I'm fine or I'm doing great. And I was really <laughs> reflecting on this today, and I was like, I'm actually not doing great, mm. right? I mean, I'm excited to be here, and general life stuff's going well, but. I probably would not be alone in recognizing the kind of emotional upheaval and turmoil that has been occurring across the globe from the events of like the last few weeks, predominantly originating in the US. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's been a lot, a lot, to be honest, to, to, to process and move through over the last week. Yeah. Well, three things, just to, just to comment back on that. One, yes, um, asking how someone's doing is now on this show is like becoming a thing, especially when people ask me how I'm doing. Cause there's, Oh, I know I never know what's going to come out and I just go with it. Um, so there's that too. Um, it's, it's really a much deeper question than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, yeah. Like, uh, you know, here in America, we're just fucking destroying everything. So <laughs> You're uh, giving it a good guard. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, We're really <laughs> trying to test the durability of democracy over here, which Absolutely. is just horror. Like, it's like, man, like, everybody is so, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm a white dude. I have it the best, right? But I'm exhausted. So I can't imagine what anybody else feels like, you know, women, black people. I mean, yeah. it, it's like, it, it's just it makes me sort of like, okay, I'm going to open the laundry chute or the fucking, and just, that's it. Or what I, you know, you have this, you're like dragging around this like shitty feeling all the time. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and part of me is like angry about it. Um, and part of me is like sick to my stomach about it, but you know, 
Yeah, it's a it's a real emotional like you know I was thinking about it. It's a mind fuck, but it's more like an emotion. It's an emotional fuck as well, right? Like there's a duality of emotions that occurs in situations like this where you do get the anger and the rage, which is actually great emotion to feel because it's activating emotion. It's like this is where you take action from. But then you get the the despair, the grief, the anguish, and that's really distressing. That's really demotivating. And so I completely, completely um, resonate with what you're saying in just terms of feeling it all, right? Like there's so much there and just allowing that to happen because I think we feel the need to figure it out exactly how we feel and there's this time period where you like just feel it all. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm curious um, as to so so you're in London currently. No. Um, you're from New Zealand originally, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So so being from another country, like, well, are you guys just over there, like in the pubs, like these fucking idiots, like drinking a fucking or like what <laughs> what what's the how do we how do we look over there? How bad do we look? Uh, not great. Um, <laughs> I, I won't like sugarcoat this for you. It's, yeah, we don't like sugarcoating. The, the, um, yeah, I, I think there is like an overwhelming uh, kind of narrative of just like incredulity, like like just being incredulous about what is happening in the states and kind yeah this this anger because I think when you exist outside of the states even if you don't want to be, you are affected by what happens in the States. It's, it's still such um, a powerful force globally. Mm-hmm. And so you are affected by it, you are impacted by it, but you have no control over it. Like we don't have any voting power in the US. We can't do anything. All we are is, is kind of uh, in, in semi, um, like in some ways we're victims to, to what occurs. Like we don't have any kind of control. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to because people don't think of it that way. Like, oh, we must look like idiots, but I think we're kind of like used to that. But at the same time, it's like you know, we do have here in this country, we do have voting rights, and the majority is with you know, kind of the right thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. But yet, but yet, it's all tied up in some weird Star Wars political <laughs> fucking mess, um, and no one's doing anything. And I think yeah. that's really really kind of the scary part is that the worst has happened, right? But it can get so much worse. And so it was odd to see on Friday, Mm. they shot down this, this 50 year precedent. um, Mm. And it was just like, what? And then on Sunday, everyone's at brunch and I'm like, wait a minute, this wait, guys, like uh, it's cool if we want to grab some fucking, you know, bloody marys and whatever we should we should <laughs> probably hit the street like no one really so i feel like you know unfortunately i do feel like it is gonna get worse but mm. i do see um i'm sort of a dark optimist uh person optimistic yeah. person um but i do see uh i think the idiots are going to severely overplay their hand um and in any great Shakespearean tale uh when someone overplays their hand here comes the sword so hopefully there's an opportunity for us to take the power back that's what I'm trying to say yeah yeah I I love their dark optimism um I go through bouts of feeling like that and then I go through bouts of being like we have this human propensity to think the worst has happened and it couldn't get any worse and like 
oh no, this wouldn't happen in this day and age. And then that shit happens. Right. And so I kind of am like, shit, what could happen next? Uh, you know, particularly this is setting a precedent for just looking at what else has, was, has come into effect over the last 50 years. But yeah, let's, let's for now stick with this optimism and be like, have, have they, yeah, like played, played their hand wrong. Um, time will tell. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in a, in a season of black mirror episodes, there's always one or two that are optimistic in the end, right? There's like San Junipero or something where everyone's yeah. like, Oh, this isn't so bad. We're dead, but you know, it's happy times, like whatever. So yeah, there's, there has to be some sort of dark hope at the end of this. I think, you know, uh, strategy waiting for the right moment, letting them, you know, shoot their load no pun intended and then coming in for the kill afterwards like hey you fucked up um whatever and then taking the power back so hopefully um well with that to start the episode (laughs) off um, starting off with the light stuff no i love it actually because it does need to be uh discussed and it's good to hit it right from the fucking front yeah it's real yeah people will die and i think that's always really important um Mm -hmm. i think we have a propensity to kind of feel uncomfortable by this shit and so we we kind of like how do we scoot around those or pretend it's not affecting us and it's like this shit is real and people will die and it's okay to 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 talk about it sure sure yeah Yeah, no it's totally um and in whatever way that looks like i think people are scared of like talking about it in the wrong there is no wrong way like we're in the worst case scenario so whatever let's let's fucking figure it out Yeah. yeah um Okay, so so for the people that in the audience uh, who do not know who you are, could you introduce mm-hmm. yourself, talk a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so hello everyone. I'm Alicia Fay. I am a sex and intimacy coach. I work with women to find their, their confidence within their sexuality. So this shows up in so many ways. So I work with women to... Um, destigmatize uh, sex to release shame uh, around their sexuality to improve their access to sexual pleasure to help them to um, to orgasm a lot of the work I do is working with women to understand their libido and sexual desire more because that is just something that's rife with with myths but I yeah I predominantly just work across the board with women who are like there's got to be something more here when it comes to sex and my sexuality and I'm ready to do something about it. So I'm one of those people that they come to. And because sex and our sexuality ripples through all parts of our lives, whether we think it does or not, you know, a lot of my work is around healthy relationships, intimacy, connecting with people around you, connecting with your life. Right. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a fascinating a fascinating job. I absolutely love it. Uh, and you know what we were talking about before. One thing that's really come up with me over the last week, you know, with with all the conversation around abortions and bodily autonomy, uh, you can't have these conversations without seeing the the sexual repression that underlies all of this, right? Because a lot of the conversation is like women shouldn't be having sex or they should be more careful when they're having sex or like, you know, abstinence and all this, all this stuff that is just dying. Like it just doesn't work. Like research indicates across the board, one abortion, like, you know, getting rid of it doesn't stop abortions. It just stops safe abortions. And also people aren't going to stop having sex. Um, it's, it's 
it's puritanical uh, at its core and a lot of my work is around like getting rid of those puritanical narratives and helping women feel safe and joyful and and comfortable and confident in their sexuality so yeah I'm I'm working hard at trying to to stop the narratives that are coming through over the last week and and how they have been for millennia yeah and you know it's really interesting because it's like the whole thing about how women shouldn't have sex or shouldn't say fuck or shouldn't yeah. come or squirt or be with other women or have gangbangs yeah. or whatever that all the like the whole thing is kind of a fucking garbage parade right and, and 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 now like we're really getting to like the major floats in the garbage parade with all mm. these current things yeah so it was already really terrible um yeah. And I wanted to explore that when I started this show and I, you're, you're completely correct, you know, um, and it's coming up more in these later episodes, um, or current episodes, I should say that, that, you know, the secret is like, yeah, sex party. Right. But, but sex, uh, it, it connects everything. It's not just like about, you know, blowing your load and getting off. It's everywhere. It's everything. It can, it's, it's one big umbrella. Let's explore, yeah. explore those connections. So I'm, I'm curious with your work, things have always sort of been shitty for women. Again, garbage parade, right? Um, and if women are are already under stress, it's hard for them to have an orgasm mm-hmm. with a partner, maybe on their own because of guilt, because of shame, all this fucking yeah. bullshit. What 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 are you seeing with the current stuff with the last like five or six years, American yeah. craziness? Like what, what is that doing to people's confidence, uh, their ability to have an orgasm and get in touch with themselves? That's a really good question. I just, I think it's difficult to narrow down one thing I'm seeing. I, I think you can see things in pockets of society, right? So for example, you live in a bubble. We all live in bubbles. We live in our social circle bubbles. And so in my social circles, things like sex positivity, sexual empowerment, these are things that are becoming more and more commonplace. I wouldn't say that they are normalized. I would say there's still a lot of stigma, even, and I'm, and I'm a sex coach and I have conversations about sex all the time. <laughs> uh, and my friends are used to that, uh, colleagues, et cetera, but there's still a lot of stigma there. But then I lived in Indiana. Oh, God, that's probably like seven or eight years ago now. Oh, no, Indiana. And, and, you know, sex just wasn't ever discussed. Like, I I lived in a space that was very religious. People were getting young. I was married very young, so 1920, because (laughs) we want sex, right? And so we're curious and well, I mean, there's a variety of factors why you get married young, but it was so interesting to see you can't stop sexual desire by just telling kids not to have sex. And when you're like, you can have sex when you're married, it absolutely um, forces them into marriage. And I talked to a variety of young people back when I lived there who were just like, I am so sexually unsatisfied. I thought it was going to be so much better than this. I don't know what's wrong. Some of the times I was figuring out that they weren't you know, really even understanding pleasure, weren't even understanding their bodies. Sex was very mechanical. And this is this is for guys as well, right? Um, predominantly, it, I think it impacts women. I think men have a high propensity to go seek information from things like porn. Right. Um, 
and masturbation is slightly more normalized for men. But all in all, like talking to across, like across genders, uh, I saw like, you know, significant sexual repression and, and how much that caused disconnect from self, um, lack of pleasure and just lack of connection with partners because they couldn't go through it. I know this is a bit roundabout from what you asked, but I guess I would be, I'd be saying I haven't seen any particular themes come out. I've seen a slight increase in people being at least willing to have some conversations, but I'm also really seeing people like clutch to their purse strings, right? Clutch to what they know and this caused them to, to shut out anything that's scary and different because it's uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so I feel like I'm seeing a variety of things and there, there's not one direction. It really depends on the group of people you're talking to. Yeah, I think, you know, in that question for me, it was like, man, if something's already stressful and then, you know, you have like a series of elections that are just like frantic and, right, yeah. and there's inflation and then abortion yeah. and the fucking planet is melting and you can't find, you know, fucking whatever, like all of that stress has to like make the stress you just felt being a woman, uh, and not able to be really in touch with your body, like even worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, then I went completely off. I no, but <laughs> you, you, you gave <laughs> us you gave us Indiana, yeah. so we can. We can <laughs> I gave can... you Indiana. How <laughs> uh, <laughs> lucky! Um, yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. Our oh my god, like like sex. I always say to people, what happens outside of the bedroom, you know moves into the bedroom so what happens outside of sex makes its way into sexual experiences and i like i'll reflect this back at you like do you feel when you don't have as much hope in the world or you're not as optimistic or there just feels more and more shit that's happening do you feel more disconnected from your body more disconnected from your pleasure from from sex and connection etc so um yeah uh amazing question i for me, I think when I'm stressed out, I definitely feel detached from my body, um, not as in touch with things um, and and sort of sexually off. But I think it, the weird thing is for me, and maybe just because yeah. I'm a nut, fucking nutcase, but if things are really bad, like, oh, God, this is the worst. Yeah. Like, I'm insanely turned on and I need to immediately like – figure that out whatever yeah. that looks like so yeah. if something's drastic like if i knew i was gonna die like i would be like okay how can i have as many orgasms as possible but if it's something well, like drastic, you're gonna die you're like please <laughs> right, right. i want as many orgasms before i yeah. leave <laughs> yeah because i mean and again it's gonna sound insane but you know we're honest here so whatever i've had days where i've gotten like really bad news and the first thing i've done is like gone and masturbated like because it was just so bad yeah. that it's like fuck it right but if something is drip 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 every day yeah. where yeah. it's like oh no like they blew up the whatever building and now they're taking everyone's uh food away or whatever like it's every day it's like uh yeah yeah i mean i'm with everybody else i just want to eat fucking popcorn and like you know not shower yeah 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 <laughs> oh i get it and i think it's so important to be discussing because everybody's response to life stimuli and life shit will be different, right? And its impact on sex, sexual pleasure, orgasms, etc., is going to be different for each person. Uh, like predominantly chronic stress um, and stress in general 
for the overwhelming majority of people will reduce sexual desire, right? Um, but for a, for a percentage of people, they actually get an increase in libido. Yeah. <laughs> from stress. Yeah, because it's, I mean, when you orgasm, um, when you like masturbate, et cetera, or have sex, you, it's a stress release, right? There's sure. like a hit of endorphins and dopamine and your body's like, he has to let it go. Uh, so like, and that was the case for me as well. I was definitely somebody who chronic, like the day-to-day like stress, it would be like, oh my God, I need to go home and like masturbate because mm-hmm. I just need to have a good hit of shit today because it's been a hard day. So, yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think, you know, I'm someone who personally, like my sex drive is like really strong. Um, mm-hmm. And and even like when the shit's bad, like I'm like just deviant fucking thinking constantly. I'm gross. So whatever. So it's like. <laughs> it's not gross. You know, it's it, perfectly normal and fine. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, if I could open the door to my mind and <laughs> show everyone, I don't know if we'd feel that way. But, but yeah, no, I. I've always considered it like that's just who I am and yeah. that's, and I accept that and whatever. And that's, yeah. that's what, that's what we're doing. But um, I, I do think like over long periods of time um, it, it can really grind down. There's nothing worse than like the slow, like, Oh, now this is wrong. And now yeah. this is, it's like, Oh my God. So, yeah. and that's the kind of time period we're in um, where it just feels like, you know, every day, you know, people are like looking in the, I remember there was a, there was a period of time. Um, I think it was towards the end of the last guy's presidency here in the States and COVID was raging and I'm not giving up the, the power and whatever. And every time, like, at least here in Chicago, like every time there would be like a noise or a plane in the sky, we were all like looked up, like, is this, is this it? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that's, it's not a great time to be, to be sexual and fun. And it's like everyone, you know, <laughs> I remember when they dropped the mask mandate, um, mm. I was like, actually it went to the grocery store. Right. And everyone's like, for the first time in months, like in the grocery store, like, looking at each other i'm just like this is so sad this is great but it's so sad but so yeah so it makes it difficult yeah. to, to like even find like ground to stand on right like i think everything is insane i think the waves of the last couple of years are gonna reverberate through sex and dating and all the fucking stuff forever for a while yeah yeah completely um it's that's that's a very good point and i think we're I think that there comes a moment as well where you have to just release the pressure off yourself and just recognize that life has been different. So parts of your life are going to be different, right? It's been so interesting to me throughout the pandemic that people are like, oh, I'm not wanting sex as much or like, where's my libido gone or our sex isn't as good. I mean, for some people, it was like the opposite, right? Which is great. And they were like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> but I think they're there it's it's so interesting to me how people like yeah I just don't feel like working or as much or like I just don't want to do my hobbies and they're all all good with that they know that when shit happens in life you know things can fall apart a little bit in other parts of your life but when it comes to sex when it comes to our relationships we're like flabbergasted we're like but this this stuff is so separate from life like how is this impacted by a pandemic and you're like of course it's impacted 
by a pandemic. Um, you know, you're not in the same situation every day that you were beforehand. So you've got to expect to some extent that that's going to ripple into the bedroom. It's going to ripple into how you feel about your, like your body, about your sexual partner. Um, you know, if I like, and I took it from your, your other uh, podcast episodes, but you're not in a relationship and you weren't throughout the pandemic, I'm imagining. So that changes your ability to have sexual intimacy and just intimacy in general with people. Like, how did you fear through that? Yeah. Me personally? Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, it, it was a very, I mean, it still is a really strange time because all of that time sort of not in a relationship, not, um, you know, and I didn't like have sex with someone until almost a year through the pandemic. Right. And it was like this weird anxiety ridden thing where it's like, Oh God, she's flew here and, uh, airplanes, you know, I mean, what we knew then versus what we know now is just a world of difference. So there's a lot of anxiety, but I did definitely get stuck in this sort of like place where I was really on my own and I, and I still am. And I don't, I can't figure out if, am I making choices that I'm almost unaware of to, to keep myself in this sort of, um, single bubble or is it just the way things have that's the question that I'm always asking myself like it's just sort of like the new way of of like I'm gonna live my life because I'm I'm great like doing this podcast and like yeah. exploring other projects or whatever but then you stop and you think like oh wait like we haven't you know, like gone to dinner, let alone like hooked up with somebody, you know what I mean? So it's been very strange. I'm still like, I feel like I'm really in the middle of a really strange time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like pseudo documenting it here on the podcast. It just comes up, which I think is great, but it's sort of the subplot because, you know, you guys, the guests are like the main the main attraction of the show the main the main attraction well i mean i guess people can look at it however they want um but people what's crazy is people are starting to around the show people who watch the show are starting to message me like they want more personal information and i'm like i'm totally cool with that i'm totally open with that i didn't think that was going to be a thing when i started but um I've been like toying with the idea of doing just like solo episodes yeah. and all of that. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but it is very weird. And I would imagine I'm not the only one who's in a really fucking wacko place. Right. I'm sure no. you see that a lot with your coaching. Yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit about just in general, um, what your process is, how, how you sort of like, wake people up to the idea of like, Hey, it doesn't have to be this fucking, you know, shit show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, I guess the really interesting thing about my work is that because people find me, they kind of already have an inkling, like an inkling that this is a shit show. Right. (laughs) So even if they're not fully aware of it, they're, they're thinking, okay, something's off here. And I just have a desire to know how it can be different. Uh, And so that's, you know, it doesn't take much work on my part for that to happen because I think people naturally can feel when something's off. But I really love this this thing you've 
brought up regarding um, just being in this kind of limbo stage and just being like, what is this? Like, <laughs> what is what is happening here? And the, the weirdness of reflecting on ourselves and really trying to dig to the truth of a matter because I think it's very easy to go through life and go, oh, like I'm just responding to things and not look deeper. And, you know, so when you were saying that, you feel like you're in this little solo bubble. Does it feel like that's something you're intentionally doing? Like, are you worried it's intentional or are you just at the moment focusing on other things in your life? It feels like both. Yeah. It's Because I'm, I'm very outgoing. I'm like, you know, the fucking idiot in the bar who just like, just goes and gets a drink. And then somehow, mm-hmm. like, I, I I don't like get up and like sing song. I don't, that's not me. Right. Cause I'll clear yeah. the place out. I have a shitty voice. But, um, if I just go and chill, things just start happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I meet this, this person, I meet that person. And the next thing you know, we're at somebody's fucking 30th birthday and mm-hmm. I'm giving a speech and shit, whatever. Like, it's just, my life has always been like that. Yeah. So I love that. I, I've never been afraid like to, to just, just go and do and be myself. Yeah. So there's that, but I think that was sort of taken away for a long time mm-hmm. and on one hand, um, I, I love being single. I've talked about this quite a bit yeah. because it's like, okay, I don't need someone around, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I love Comment my space. Me for so many years. <laughs> yeah. And, but on the other hand, there is this sort of like nagging, gnawing feeling like mm-hmm. you should probably um, – figure out some sort of human connection because you don't have a lot right now. Um, And that's very, that's there. It's getting every day that gets louder. Right. And, and I've, what I found is like, and I'm trying to find a way to, to, to eloquently put this, but fuck it. Like maybe that is not going to happen. Sometimes what I found these last couple of years, especially lately is you, at least for me is like, I almost forget, like I'm a human being, right. I'm just like going and doing and going and doing and going and doing and going and doing so, so much so that when, you know, you accidentally walk out into the street and someone honks and it scares the shit out of you. You're like, fuck. But then afterwards you're like, Whoa, that felt fucking, or like you do like meet somebody you think is interesting or attractive or, or fun or whatever it may be. And you have a five minute conversation and then they leave and you're like, Oh shit, why do I, why am I so charged up? Or like, you know, I had a thing where I was like working out, um, with a trainer and like, you know, accidentally like cut part of my arm and there was blood and I saw blood and I was like, Oh, I'm bleeding. Like, like, Oh, I'm human. Right. So there's these, and I noticed those things happening more. And I'm like, that's not normal. You know, that I need to bleed to fucking feel like I'm still alive. Right. So relatable though, right? Yeah, sure. I think incredibly relatable. What I would say, and it's 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 something I think a lot of us deal with in our um, current modern day society, which is go, 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 and very cerebral, 
is that that is inc- that's incredibly inco- like incredibly common experience to have these moments you're like fuck I'm a human and I'm alive in this moment because we're ripped out of the cerebral reality where we're probably thinking about 50 things we need to do that day or we're or we're thinking about one particular thing we did in the past or one thing we need to do in the future and it's like this shock back into the body right like we, we shove back into our body for a certain moments like when a car honks at us when we almost get hit by a bus when we're bleeding and we're like oh shit I'm a human <laughs> in a body right now I'm not just a brain like just wandering like you know wandering around in the air and uh it's it's like I'm seeing it more and more in my work um this detachment from the body and how much it's playing havoc on things like our sex life Right, because what I'm seeing is that people are spending 99% of their life cerebral. They're continuously picking up phones and going on five different apps. They're like, I'm juggling all these things. I'm focusing on all this other stuff. I'm a lot of people have anxiety and depression nowadays, etc., and other mental health issues. And then they expect to get into sex and be able to shed all that shit and get back into their body and actually enjoy the process. And a lot of people are finding that significantly hard to do. You know, like I don't work with men, so, uh, but, you know, I, I have men in my life and they say it happens to them as well. Um, but a lot of the women I work with, one of the issues they come to me with is, you know, I can't get out of my head during sex. I can't get out of my head. I have all these random thoughts that come in and I hate myself for it because he's trying so hard or my partner's trying so hard. And like, I, all I can think about is fuck, I need to hang out the washing. And so like, (laughs) I'm wondering about the next episode of, of my Netflix show. And a lot of people have judgment towards themselves in that, but we've trained our system to only focus on things cerebrally and focus on like multiple things at once. So it's really difficult to shed that and shed that um, the way of working and then get into the bedroom and sometimes let that go on the other hand there are some people like who that's why they love sex is because they can get that shock back into the body right it's it's a great situation for many people where they get to be able to feel human again and so when you're talking about that kind of lack of human connection um you know, it's definitely not just sex, like physical touch from just humans in general is so important. It's it's such a way to feel um, platonically intimate. Uh, but do you feel like that's something that you haven't been seeking as much? Like over this year, you've kind of noticed yourself, you're saying not as connected. And I imagine that means physically connected as well. Yeah, because, you know... I do. Yeah. I I felt that a lot. And because for me, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, I want to be single. I'm not interested in a relationship. Okay. So stating that now your options have been halved immediately. Um, so what is it that I want? Okay. Uh, friends with benefits, right? Okay. Well, let's look at the current roster taken no question mark question mark question I'm like okay so no one's available on that so mm-hmm. hmm so are we gonna um are we going to hire a sex worker well, i don't really want to do that nothing's wrong with it i've yeah. thought about it you know whatever sure but i've just at the moment not at the moment no thank you so like that options off the table so like am i just supposed to like walk around the streets and be like hey uh it's just you know i feel like there's no there's your options for someone who is um 
male or female, right? Who is um, outgoing, maybe doesn't want a relationship, doesn't yeah. want to pay for sex. What are your options? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are like, and, and I think that's a huge question that nobody is even asking. Yeah, it's it's interesting because <clears throat> I I think we have a scarcity mindset a lot when it comes to sex and relationships. I think it always feels like there's never never enough, or maybe not always, but it often feels like there's never enough. For example, I talk to so many people who are looking for committed relationships, and their qualm is that everybody wants to be casual. Right. Mm. So they would say that you have it good. That'd be like, everybody <laughs> wants to have it casual. Like doesn't just go out and like, there's going to be thousands for you and if not millions. And so I think everybody can feel this, this fear of there's not enough and, or at least I can't find it. Right. Other people seem to have the like, but I can't find it. Right. Uh, right. So it's interesting hearing you say that it's not to say you're wrong, but I would, it's, it's, when you hear it from various spectrums, you're like, okay, well, there's a lot of people out there. So is this just how we perceive a situation or is there like, where's the truth here? And, and where's our self-responsibility as part of this as well? I mean, I, it is a hundred thousand percent my fault. There's nothing wrong with any system or whatever. And there, you know, or whatever, it's like definitely me for sure. <laughs> but I, you know, I, you know, and I'm probably just being really selfish. Like I probably want my cake and, you know, to, to have my cake and eat it too or whatever fucking analogy you want to pop in there. Because for me, it's like, okay, well you, you have to give a little, and I know that, and I'm just probably just being an ass about it, you know? So <laughs> just being an ass. <laughs> yeah. Pr- more, more than likely that is the, that is the issue because, good, by the way. you okay, know, you don't get a rib. Yeah. I mean, and I could, I could, you know, go out to the bar every night and see what happens and whatever, but am I doing that? No. Why? Oh, I'm exhausted. Well, (laughs) figure, figure it out, buddy. You know, (laughs) I was just going to ask, I'm like, so just what are you doing to make this happen? And like, and make sure that you have enough options. You're like, no, they're just not knocking on my door. Like they, Aren't they supposed to just turn up and knock on my door? See, exactly. Yeah. And and th- and that's really crazy because that you say that because for two reasons. One, um, that's how my life used to be back when I did like club promotion and all of that. I just didn't have to do anything. I just mm. threw the party and went and did the thing and was on stage and da 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 da. And they life. and I would I I would have knocked on the door, people lined up at the door, yeah. you know multiple times a week. So that was a thing actually for a while. And that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just not. You're now having to live like most of the population. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to being a peasant, a sexual peasant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And well, and on, on the other side, right. I think that to abate the guilt or the shame or whatever that is that tells me you're fucking up, man, this is all your fault that we're alone or whatever the voices are saying. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll go on a dating app and I'll scroll around yeah. and I'll be like, well, I guess the system's rigged against me. Yeah. No one, there's no connections here. Or when I do have connections on dating apps, they can just tell like this guy's a mess. Like, <laughs> you know, one interaction, they're like, see you later. So that's, that's my life right now. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's happening that that's pretty much the, the, 
the the bubble, right? I think it, it's so difficult, though, isn't it? Because you know, I'm in a relationship now, but I it, well, we've been together for two and a half years now. But before that, I I fully understand that conundrum when I was like younger and going to clubs all the time like yeah having sex having casual sex was easy um and when I like got older and I didn't really want to do that so much I wasn't going to the clubs or partying as often as I did and I was like okay I want something more like there's there's a need there's a desire here for something more I would feel the same. I wasn't fucking going out. I wasn't like trying to meet new men because I, I was terrified. I was like, how do I meet them and they still don't want me, you know? And then, so yeah, the safety of an of an online dating app, glass of red wine, get a little bit of, you know, liquid courage, go on and feel like you're doing the work, feel like you're meeting people, but very, very quickly giving up on it. And like you said, reaffirming mm. these internal beliefs of like, oh, this is just isn't worth it. Like, you know, oh, I really prefer to meet people organically, although we're not doing anything to meet people organically. Um, you know, so there's, there's just these behaviors that occur that we kind of self-sabotage a lot when it comes to trying to find something that meets our needs. And I think it's awesome to recognize that and acknowledge it. And like you said, be super kind to yourself. Be, be compassionate and go, I'm also a human being and this shit is tough. And yes, I yeah. know that I'm sabotaging myself, but like give myself a bit of grace through this process. And so I love that. It's not about self-flagellation or self-judgment or ridicule. It's about I'm a human being and I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I have. Yeah, I, and that's really interesting because I I just had a conversation last week with someone where they were like, well, what's going on? You know, uh, and we were talking and, and what I was like, it's not a big deal. And they're like, well, no, 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 tell me, tell me. And so I, I told them, right. Um, these are sort of, oh, they're like, oh, well, you're just in your own way. And I'm like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, tell me something I don't I'm already like, know. I don't want to hear that, you know. <laughs> Of course, I'm just an asshole. Like I'm just in my own way, you know, or whatever. But it was so um I can't be the only one, right? And there have been there have been a handful um recently a handful of women who have reached out to me around the show and said like, "Hey, I'm with you. Like I totally get it. Like I'm I don't want to do that, but I also don't want to suffer the consequences of not doing that." So, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. I'm like I'm somewhere out to sea." I think it's always deeper. I mean, that's the work of a coach is always going deeper. I mean, these are all the surface level things. The behaviors are surface level and the real juice, the real shit storm is looking like within and going, oh, fuck, like what's the stuff here that's causing me to behave in these ways? And so, and that's why I always think it's important to have like the compassion and the grace and because you know you're in your own fucking way. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when people say this, like, it's a eureka moment for you. You're like, please, <laughs> I know it's my, I know it's it's me, but I just can't seem to do something differently. Yeah. And it's it's this real conundrum that, um, that we can have. And so, I mean, the same happens in every area of our life, which is why there's therapists and coach for, for everything. Uh, but it's always an invitation to go, oh, like what underlies this? You know, what, what, what do I fear here? 
what do I feel is going to happen and what do I think it's going to mean about me and just getting a little bit curious what's deeper even if it doesn't change your behavior you're all there's I don't think there's anything like in long term um, dynamics nothing wrong with knowing a little bit more about yourself if you're willing to look yeah I mean and I guess I would ask you when when you for the people out there that are like me on some level right they're um they're they maybe they feel sort of lost where in my case it's like i know i am this you know i'm just not doing the work right so like that's whatever and i don't want this i don't want that and it's got to be whatever so that's my fucking problem but for people who are like that and self-aware like i'm like i am or maybe they're not and they just feel lost right what is like some practical advice? Like if they want to get into relationships that are better uh, and they want to ease into it or jump it or whatever, like on any level, where do they start? Oh, that's such a good question. Cause it really depends on where they're starting from now uh, and what their background is. So I'll give like general stuff. Sure. And obviously it's dependent on the person. Um, and I'll probably use some of my own experience. So, I was the same. I was going through these patterns of behavior for a long time, knowing it started with me. So I had to be doing something, but never really knowing what to do. That's actually how I got into the coaching space because I was sick of my own shit. And somebody referred me to like a life coach. And I went through this, this group program and I just found out more about myself, like my own limiting beliefs, my own patterns of behavior, where they were originating from, really getting to know my fear, making kind of peace with that fear and going, okay, not trying to get rid of it, but being like, how can I hold space for my fear and also make space for different behaviors? So put my fear in the back seat, put a better part of me in the front seat and go for it. So that really helped me just become even more aware of myself, um, that kind of coaching program. And I think one of the modules in it was about relationships. And so I really learned a lot in that as well as the sex module told me a lot. So I had, so it kind of sparked me to go on this journey of really getting aware with the patterns of behavior I'd gone into and what I wanted to change. And one of the things I hadn't done is I hadn't gotten really clear and honest with myself on what I wanted because for years I told myself I'm an independent woman. I don't want a relationship. They're going to hold me down. I'm not going to have the freedom I want. Like I want to, you know, have all these casual relationships, et cetera. And I'd convinced myself that that's what I wanted. And deep down I was shit. Like it was, it was a lie, right? It was a facade. It was a protective mechanism so that I couldn't get hurt. And so I had to start really getting honest with myself. And as soon as I got honest with, yes, I want a relationship, it was like such a weight off me. Uh, So I think the first step is actually getting really honest with yourself about what you're wanting. Do you really want a casual relationship and you're trying to force yourself into a committed relationship? You know, or is it the opposite way around? Like get really clear on what you want, not what you feel you should want. And then take the next step from there. So for me, it was like, okay, I want a relationship. What type of person do I want to get in a relationship <laughs> with? Right. Cause I was going around attracting these, like these, you know, relationships or men that were completely opposite to what I wanted. Oh, they were fun. Um, although a lot of it wasn't fun, <laughs> uh, but it was not aligned with actually what I told myself I wanted. So 
I had to get honest with myself um, what type of guy I wanted. Um, I'm bisexual, but I knew I wanted to be in a relationship with uh, a man at this particular time of my life. So I was like, what is he like? What is his, what are his qualities, his characteristics? Um, how does he like to spend his time? How does he treat me? Because a lot of times people think about what type of person they want, but they don't think of how do they make me feel? How do they treat me? And so they get into relationships with somebody who looks great on paper, but makes them feel shit. And so it was about, once again, just figuring out and getting clarity on me, my standards, um, yeah, who I was calling into my life because it made it so much easier to then go out and meet people because straight away I'd be like, oh, you don't meet this. Like, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't be like, oh, you're a terrible person because you don't meet this, but you're just not for me, right? Like you have to know your standards because otherwise you will abandon them at the f- at the first sign of, of attention, mm-hmm. right? Particularly if you're an anxious attachment style, you'll be like, oh, they like me? Oh, yay. And you'll be like, fuck the list. And, and you'll just run off and try, run off into the sunset. And so really knowing yourself, knowing what you want and standing by your standards and non-negotiables, um, I think is really a great place to start. So I did that before I even went back into dating. Uh, and then it was there was a foundation. The foundation was laid and it was like, now go have fun. No, now go just meet people. Stop, stop making it that every time you meet a guy, he's a potential relationship match, right? Like (laughs) why can't you just like, just go and meet people and enjoy them and connect with them. And maybe, you know, there's going to be something that has a little spark, then have some fun, flirt with them, you know, just get curious without attaching yourself to a certain outcome. And I think that's when you don't, when you've gone on like a, a dating hiatus, or you've been in a relationship for a long time or all these things, we can, we can really make meeting people and dating a serious thing. Mm. And we've forgotten just how to appreciate connecting with another human being, particularly of the opposite sex if you're heterosexual. I think we can make it mean a lot. I mean, I went to an all-girls school, so meeting guys was like, ah! Um, you know, (laughs) all the hormones raging. So that's, that's, that's where I would, yeah, that's the kind of steps that I would say to start with is really look in on yourself, um, get clear with what you want, then start having, then just start meeting people, having some fun. Um, and every moment that you're meeting more people, learning more about yourself, right? Like, Oh, like, what is this telling me about me? Um, there's an opportunity here when we're meeting other people to to meet parts of ourselves we might not have met yet. Oh, like I got really nervous about that. What was happening there, um, et cetera. And if you're still getting, like finding it hard, there are lots of experts out there who are supporting people. And I think we, we need to normalize seeking help in these spaces because we think there's something wrong with us. Like you should just know how to flirt properly. You should just know how to date. You should just know how to have sex right? And it's like, these are not the things we learned how to be. We should just know how to have a healthy relationship. I'm like, fuck no, we don't know any of this shit. We're all just stumbling through the dark. Um, so seeking help and support can just like collapse that timeline and, and get you there faster as well. I mean, wow. Right. Like you said a lot, like, the, some, <laughs> like, so but some amazing shit, right? Um, we are stumbling through the dark for sure. Yeah. A lot of yeah. us. Um, and there's so many, uh, reasons why <clears throat> number yeah. one, 
number two, before we dive into any of the thoughtful things that you said, can we go back to before you had a foundation yeah. and, t- and talk a little bit about when you were like meeting like the wacky fun guys? Do you have any stories you can share where you're like, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot, but it's fun or like whatever? <laughs> I think when I say fun, I'm like, I use that word liberally. Um, (laughs) It was was an emotionally tumultuous experience. Um, So I, I started off like, I'll just give like a general background, but I started off in a um, serious relationship when at 15 and we ended when I was 20 and, um, and then just ensued eight years of, of, drama uh and it was really interesting going from like a really solid place knowing somebody who loved me knowing somebody who knew my body and then going into this quagmire of shit just being like oh my god what do I do here I've I've been in a relationship for five years everybody else looks like they know what they're doing by this time in the dating scene and meeting people and I just have no idea so I went with what I like what I knew and that is what society told me and it told me that you will get appreciation and attention through sexuality right like you are a sex object so even though if I wasn't even though I wasn't consciously thinking that I realize looking back now how I subconsciously led with that because I did not know how to have other people appreciate other parts of me. I was like, okay, this is, this is the way that I've got to meet new people is, is through my sexuality. And when you lead from that space, like that's what you attract, right? You attract people who are just going to use you for your sexuality, for sex, for their own pleasure. And so that's basically what the eight years was. I got into a situation ship for that eight years Mm. um, with a, with a guy who uh I think one of your last guests when you one of the last questions you asked her in the burn around was like what would you say to an ex and she's like something like fix your trauma or like deal with your trauma and I was like oh my god that is that is the juice that is what I would say to this person and and he was just somebody who was you know I look back now and now that I've got all the words for it gaslighting I would say that you know I that he had these patterns of behavior that he was very good at manipulating me into thinking he cared for me, thinking he loved me. And, you know, as soon as I gave sex again, it would be like out the door. And I look back and I know I have responsibility there as well. Uh, But the things, the things you do when you're attached to someone in such a, in such a toxic way, I just want to give my past self like a damn hug and be like, Mm. you know, the shit we put up with, from people it's it's really true that it's like we we often don't um look at relationships and people and go how are they treating me and how do they make me feel we're looking at what we oh (laughs) you know the potential they might have who we wish they were we're sticking around for that and rather than going no this person is what they do Right, you know, it's not who you think they are. It's it's what they do, and so I was caught in these cycles, but predominantly this with this one guy. But he was on and off, and through throughout my time with him, there was just 
a bunch of other guys who were the same. I would just lead with my sexuality. And even if I wasn't having sex with them right away, like I was just sexually vivacious. I was a flirt. I was a flirt. And so they were like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to have the chase. And then cool. When I, when I got what I wanted, like their desire eked out from me and then they were on to the next thing. So when I say it was fun, I mean, yeah, sure. There were fun experiences. Don't get me wrong. Like I love sex. Uh, and, but yeah, it's a liberal use of it because um, it did feel like a shitstorm. Yeah, at the same time, I look back and I go, it taught me a lot about myself. I have a lot to work with now. I know myself deeper than if I hadn't gone through these experiences. So, so yeah, I mean, that's probably not the, the juicy details you wanted from these experiences. Oh, I could talk about people in hostels around the world and all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, no, I think I think that um, you I, you know w- with this show I I always try to uh, invite um, and then sometimes uh, draw out or entice right um, people to be themselves to a degree where it's like wow where a guest can be like shit or, um, I said that or a, a audience member can be like that is so cool. Like I'm, I, I feel, uh, empowered or, or slightly better than I did because I know that, or, um, there's just something about just being honest that I think it's just like, it's the fucking ultimate power. It's the ultimate flex. You know, no one can hurt you if you're owning, it's like, it's just fucking amazing. So however someone answers my stupid questions, right. Is, is how they answer them. Um, and I'm lucky that I have intelligent fucking thoughtful people like yourself on the show. Um, I know how to pick them. Um, (laughs) you know, know? so, um, so when I ask a question and, and you answer how you answer, Mm. It's always appreciated because I know it's going to be fucking real. Um, that being yeah. said, so before before you had laid a foundation for yeah. a baseline for what you wanted dating wise, right? Mm-hmm. That was your experience. All everything that you had right. just just mentioned. Um, then you laid the foundation. I'm wondering if <clears throat> does it work similarly with women? laying a foundation for what they want, what they need, what they desire for an orgasm. Because I think I was looking through your Instagram um, stuff, uh, doing yeah. research, and it was like one of the most profound things that I saw on there. There's a lot of profound stuff on there, by the way. It's fucking great. I encourage everyone to go look at it, and it will all be linked in the show notes. But women who have never had an orgasm or maybe haven't had a great one, right? Believing that they're broken. And then also I would add to that um, just from other guests, like believing maybe they're asexual, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so do, do you, is there a foundation thing where you need to find what you need to not feel that way? Can you talk about that a little more in depth, feeling broken, being asexual, like, you know? I think people, and you know, once again, very general comment, but I, I think most people who, haven't had an orgasm or haven't felt significant sexual desire um, can feel broken or feel like they're asexual because we have a lot of myths in society about how these things are supposed to work. So of course we feel like there's something wrong with us because society says, no, everybody can have like has an orgasm really easily. Like just quickly, you know, rub your clit or pinch your nipples and it's done. 
Um, or everybody feels spontaneous sexual desire, like everybody has a look with the person across the room and wants to rip their clothes at, uh, like off and go at it on the washing machine. <laughs> and so when we see that, when we hear that, when that's just continuously um, fed to us in the societal narrative, predominantly through media, because we don't talk about sex, um, it's, it makes sense to feel abnormal. It makes sense to feel like there's something wrong with us when that's not our lived reality. So, yeah, the foundation, um, so I'll, I'll start with that first. Just sure. To, yeah, that's what I would say first to that. Um, did you want me to, like, go on and talk about the foundational parts? Yeah, because I think the thing that I've seen throughout my life and, and again, like, around the show, I've, I've had yeah. so many conversations with women that are just like, no, I don't. I can't, I don't get off unless it's like, uh, with a vibrator or on my own. And even then sometimes. And so yeah. when you drive it that more, I, I I'm sure that guilt and shame and all of the things, but like, there's an embarrassment that comes with it so much so that if you're with a partner that just sucks, right. And you feel shitty and they're stupid and whatever, right. You get to a place where you're just like, I'm asexual, uh, I'm broken. Yeah. And so, right. yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like yeah. a lot of your work is, Showing people like, hey, you're not uh, either at all, and this is going to feel fucking great. So I guess my question would be, how do you get them there to realize it, to practice it? What are some things they can do to to start on that path to having a great fucking orgasm? Yeah, I think um, an important part is to let go. It, it sounds like... Um, counterintuitive but to like let go of the orgasm a little bit mm. i think there's this this gripping that happens like i must have an orgasm otherwise there's something wrong with me and i think when we come from that place the pressure is not conducive to pleasure right you go into sex and i'm sure you've had these experiences like maybe when you're younger or, or with different people but you go into sex and you have so much built up like expectation and pressure and then like you just can't do it the way you want to do it like right like things don't work out because of this pressure we like orgasm and pleasure really thrives in a more relaxed environment uh and and although you still might be really wanting an orgasm like it's hard to completely put it off the table I think just starting from that space of go in with the intention to a sexual experience to like feel a lot of pleasure potentially have an orgasm but don't make it the be all end all of a great sexual experience right allow it to like come but also like <laughs> you know <fun> intended, <laughs> but, <laughs> but also um yeah but you just just let go of the grip a little bit so that would be what I would say in terms of like mindset when it comes to the practical elements, I, I think people who have yet to orgasm, there's a lot of, and once again, really depends on the person's situation. Some people can't orgasm because of psychological blockages from like um, religious upbringing, for example, right? So you kind of need to work on the belief structure that you have before you work on orgasm sometimes. But, uh, you know, that's not, that's not everybody. And in terms of the practical elements, like, are you self-pleasuring enough, right? Self-pleasure being AKA masturbation. Are you having these experiences where you're actually really getting to know your body? And I don't just mean like the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am type of masturbation. I mean, like figure out how pleasure feels across your body because on average, the female body takes 20 to 40 minutes 
to to get to like peak arousal state which is conducive for orgasm and a lot of women I talk to and I'm like okay like you want to orgasm like talk me through your your masturbation techniques and they're like you know I'll spend like three minutes you know rubbing my my vulva or my clit and or like putting my fingers in my vagina and nothing seems to happen I'm like did you do anything before this like did you try to turn your body on in any other ways and they're like no you know I've watched porn and, and she seems to orgasm within three minutes just with the dick inside her. And you're like, okay, porn is entertainment, not education. So let's not get our education from porn. <laughs> right. But there is this lack of knowledge and awareness about how our bodies work when it comes to pleasure, particularly for the female body. Um, a lot of guys find it very easy to just like go straight to the genitals. And that's a huge turn on. But for the female body in general, it works so much better when you start from the outside and work your way in. So it's like, you know, pulling your hair a little bit, like stroking your face, like rubbing your earlobes, you know, stroking your neck, really just feeling what pleasure feels like across your body and paying attention to it. You know, just being like, wow, like, oh my God, I didn't know I liked this so much. What if I did it with this type of touch or this type of... um uh you know rhythm and that's where I think a lot of people need to start is really getting to know their pleasure system really getting to know their body and building it up because an orgasm is a build-up and so you're building up pleasure you're building it up you're building it up and then you know you can you might have orgasms and you've never touched your genitals um but predominantly people orgasm from their genitals. And then it's really getting like when you've built up the turn on, when you're like aroused and your desire is like, woof, yeah, fuck, I feel good. <laughs> then it's like, go to your genitals, you know, have lube, right? The amount of people who don't use lube because they think there's something wrong with them by not having enough self-lubrication. I'm like, lube is there for a reason. Lube is like <laughs> fucking Jesus's juice. We love that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so... You know, and really, once again, getting deeply curious about about um, about our pussy, about and not I don't mean internally, I mean like externally, because the majority of women orgasm from clitoral stimulation, and so it's like, oh my gosh, like what does my labia feel like when I rub them? What does my clit feel like when I like circle around it? Like, because some people don't know the techniques what to do. You don't have to directly touch your clit. You can like circle around your clit, right? Particularly when you're first touching um, your your pussy and your clitoris, it's like circle around things. Like don't go directly like on the clitoris because it can be incredibly sensitive. And then just just follow that. Follow the pleasure. Follow like, get curious. Like, oh, what's that? Like, what if I did this like 1% more? Or, or like, what if I could feel 1% more pleasure with this? And and then lean into that and don't expect it to happen overnight. You're building new pleasure pathways. You're, you're literally building new neural, neural networks to teach your body what feels good. And that takes time and it takes practice. Like how yes, like practice, right? <laughs> practice right. like yeah. building pleasure. Uh, and that's a great place to start. I think that's the most important place for a woman is to feel safe and comfortable and playful with themselves. Really really just playing in that space of deep curiosity and, and pleasure and going from there. Um, very high level, but that's, that's, that's the starting point. And do you like <clears throat> all these practices, uh, the build, the building up, the, the figuring out what works, what doesn't, do you find that 
then after doing that for a while, it, 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 it builds sexual confidence. Um, or is that a whole other. I, I would say that sexual confidence is built from a variety of factors. Uh, but I would absolutely say one of the, once again, foundational elements is, is knowing your body, knowing your pleasure, like knowing how to turn yourself on. How, how much more empowering is that when you go into sexual experiences with others and you can be like, I know what my body likes. And then the next part is sharing it, right? And that's scary for a lot of people. Like, right. fuck, how do I tell somebody else? But we can show people. We can show people what we like. We can do it in different ways. Uh, but if we go into a sexual experience with another person and we don't even know our own body, then that's when we find it very difficult to, um, you know, to, to share what we like, why we can shut down. Um, you know, our body can feel like it shuts down during sex uh, because we kind of go into this like semi-panic state or we can get a little bit judgmental. Like how do they not know how to make me orgasm? Right. Right. How do they not know where my clit is? And I'm like, you should know where your clit is and you should know how to show them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, that's an amazing point that, um, you know, cause everyone's kind of showing up with something different, you know, and it's really bizarre. It's like, oh, I got this box of like little circular things that someone's like, no, that doesn't fit here. Get out of here. Or what it's like, yeah. you know, but to know yourselves and then therefore you can tell somebody, yes. um, what works and what doesn't for you and people can reciprocate that. What an idea, <laughs> you know, what an idea, what crazy, what crazy just are we talking about? I imagine that you've had people give you blow jobs or hand jobs, et cetera. And you're just like, what are they doing? Well, like, right. it just doesn't quite feel right for me. But they look like they're like, yeah, this is my move. <laughs> and you're like, this is, this is supposed to work. So, like, like, have you had those experiences? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for yeah. sure. Um, and depending on the situation and who it is and, and you know, all of the bullshit that goes with it, it's like, um, do I want to even – have that conversation of like, no, 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 do it more like this. Like, cause now I sound like a fucking ass. Um, or is it just like, no, great. That's, you know, we're done with that. Let's move on or whatever. And, and I've done both, you know, I, I think that is the difference uh, with what we're talking about is that there shouldn't really be that, oh, I'm going to offend someone, no. but it's a really tricky space to be in. It's very tricky because like we were talking about before, we have this myth that we're supposed to know what we're doing. And if we're not good in bed, there's something wrong with us, right? So any feedback that triggers us to believe that we're not a good sexual partner is a shutdown, right? Like I've had so many sexual partners where just like one little bit of feedback and they're just like, they can't, they can't go anymore because it's mm. just, it's become such a block. Uh, and so, yeah, our society has created, unfortunately, the situation where we're not uh, comfortable with feedback during sex. And I would also say, though, be because of that, we're not comfortable giving feedback. And so some of the ways we can give feedback is not conducive to somebody feeling open to exploration. We're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> that does not feel good. It's, it's, it's a turn off, right? Versus like... sure. Like, I really like, oh, I would wonder what it would feel like if you, if you tried this like this, like, are you willing to give it a go? You know, the energy between those two different things, like you're basically saying the same thing, 
but the person feels differently based on how you do it. I always say to clients, like invite people into the experience with you. Like don't shut them out. Right. You're, you're, you're obviously liked this person enough, even if it's just physically to want to have physical intimacy with them, which is a vulnerable fucking thing to do, by the Mm -hmm. way. Like we all act like it's no, it's not a big thing, sex, but I'm like, we're still getting vulnerably intimate with a person. And so you've invited them in to share your body with you. Like let's invite them in to, to share your body in a way that's pleasurable for you both. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge difference maker. It's just difficult for people because nobody wants to feel awkward. Um, And I've said it before on the show, but like nothing great happens until at least one person looks really fucking stupid. So right. Can we normalize sexual awkwardness? Like sex is awkward. Yeah. Like in general, of course, if you're going to have this many limit, like limbs flying around, Mm. it's going to be fucking awkward in the first place. And when you add like lack of, like sexual um, communication confidence that just amps up the possibility. But if we normalize that, if we were okay with that, if we were willing to laugh a little bit more during sex, I think we would like our sex lives would increase, like improve. Sorry. So like exponentially. Yeah. yeah, they would improve and it would increase. <laughs> yeah, yeah for, it would increase as well because we'd be absolutely like, <laughs> a thousand yeah. percent. Okay, so in closing for this yeah. episode, if you could give, so if you're like, um, we're gonna shoot you into space, but before you leave the human race, right? I don't know where you're going, yeah. but you're being shot into space, um, uh, in some form of stasis, uh. <laughs> what are what you could leave um the human race with this bit of advice you could leave women with this bit of advice right um you're on the spot we've got like 10 seconds before we blast you off um what are you going to say into the microphone to the to the women of earth or people of earth whatever i was saying like stop outsourcing your sexual power to other people and 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 start being empowered by your own sexuality Okay, so how are they outsourcing it? Because now I'm interested. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I feel um, particularly with women, they outsource their sexual power because they don't get to know their own bodies, right? They get into, um, most women are like relying on other people to help them access sexual pleasure, to, um, you know, to make them feel a certain way about their sexuality. And it's, it's not about the other person. Like we've grown up as girls being like, your sexuality is for others. It's a, it's a commodity. You're an object. And so my, my, my mission would be, is, is to like help women see that you're not a sexual object. You don't have to outsource your, outsource your sexual power to other people. Like your sexuality is a deeply entrenched part of you. And like, you have the right to own it for yourself. Mm. Even if you never want to share that with another person, like it is yours and nobody can take that away from you. Oh my God. I fucking love that. Cause it's like, that's your fucking, that's your, your essence. That's your fucking superpower. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the most vilified and shamed part of a human being. So when you claim your most vilified and shamed part, you were like 
a fucking rebel. Like it's a revolution. You claim all of yourself when you claim your darkest shadow. So yeah, that's why I'm incredibly uh, passionate yeah. about it. I love that. That's amazing. 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 Alicia Faye, thank you so much for thank being here. Where, that. where can people find you? Um, where can people work with you? Yeah, I mean, I am not prolific across everything. Uh, My (laughs) predominant space of finding me and learning how to work with me and reaching out to me is on Instagram. So you can find me at alishafay.sex.coach. And, and that's the, that's the easiest way. And it's probably the way that I'll get back the fastest. <laughs> right. Well, we'll, we'll link your Instagram <laughs> just in case thing. too, you know, um, thank you so much for being here. You <laughs> added a, just a ton of fucking amazingness and value. And I can't wait to have you back if you'll come back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I loved this. It was, it was so fun. Yeah, for sure. We will talk very soon. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Huge thank you to my guest this week, Alicia Faye. Thank you so much for putting up with me. Thank you so much for being on the show. She's great. Go show her all of the love. Um, If you guys are loving Sex Party, if you're appreciating these episodes, if you're digging these guests and everything that they bring, there's a couple different ways you can show that love and appreciation. You don't have to do any of this fucking bullshit. But if you do do these things, I appreciate it. It does help the show grow. More guests, more bonus round fun things will come out of it. If you're listening to the show on Apple or Spotify or Google or any of those things, you can leave a rating, you can leave a review, you can subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. How are we doing? Good. You can like the video, you can follow the channel, you can leave a comment on YouTube. It really helps. It really, really helps. Um, As always, I'm available to chat on Instagram. Just send me a DM. And I can't wait to see you guys back here next week. Thanks for listening. The party continues next week. Click subscribe and let's make this a regular thing. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SexPartyFM. Follow Dustin at Dustin Ribka.